What's going on, collective listeners? We got a special episode today. Today is officially our 100th episode and the start of season two of our podcast. So, uh, obviously, we need to thank you guys as listeners, obviously, always hopping on and uh, giving us the support that we need. So, we really appreciate that for sure. Um, today, we have Sergio Marino, who's the assistant athletic director of athletic performance at Quinnipiac University here in Hamden, Connecticut. So, he is our 100th guest. So, uh, hopefully, you guys enjoy this episode. And uh, yeah, we'll just keep it rolling from here. All right. Have a great day, guys. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Samson Strength Coach Collective Podcast. We're here today with Sergio Marino. He is the Assistant Athletic Director of Athletic Performance at Quinnipiac University. It's here in Hamden, CT, represent. Um, I just wanted to give Sergio a little bit of opportunity to obviously introduce himself to everybody. And uh, Sergio, thank you so much for coming on. Obviously, for those of you listening, we've been trying to get in contact for quite some time. And me being uh, you know, sort of a, a rookie, basically making some rookie moves, trying to reach out to this guy while he is you know, in the middle of a fall semester, right? Like classic, <laughs> classic misunderstanding, but uh, it's, we're here now, Thanksgiving break. So uh, Sergio, thanks for hopping on, man. Why don't you uh, introduce yourself to the people, let everybody know who you are and uh, tell us about your journey and, and where this whole thing started to, to where you're at now. Yeah, no, obviously appreciate you having me on uh, journey to get here. Uh, I feel like it, you know, it's, it's kind of weird to think like I've been, doing this for 13 years now, but I feel like that's a drop in the bucket for most people. Uh, but basically, yeah, I know, you seem so off, young. Yeah, I get that a lot. I still, uh, if I wear a backpack on campus, I get confused for a student. So, you know, I guess it's not a bad problem to have. Uh, a student, a student athlete though, potential athlete, right? Like, they, they, oh, you play it. Like you, you, you you're play wearing the gear, you know? Yeah. It's usually what go. team you're on. It's that's usually good. lacrosse too. That's what they think. I don't know. Okay. Keeps you Must be the hair. It's gotta be the flow. Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely. <laughs> uh, but yeah, in regards to, you know, how I got here, uh, started off in, you know, 2009, uh, was finishing up my bachelor's degree at Southern Connecticut and had to pick an internship site in that summer and started searching around, saw that, you know, Quinnipiac University had just started a strength initiating department and had no idea who Coach B was, but reached out to him and, you know, got the opportunity to intern with him during that fall semester. Uh, it was the first time, you know, they have two separate campuses at Quinnipiac. So there's the York campus, which trains, uh, you know, that's where B trains men's and women's ice hockey, men's, women's basketball. And then that semester was the first semester that they were having a, a dedicated strength and conditioning coach to work with the main campus sports. Uh, so it was really cool to kind of see, you know, that startup process. And, and there were a lot of limitations in just regards to the facility, the hours we were able to train those main campus athletes. But I was able to have the opportunity, you know, after a month of kind of, you know, showing up. Uh, I mean, I was there every day, 515 in the morning, ready to train, you know, asking questions, learning the warmups. But eventually I got some team responsibilities in those uh, first few semesters, which for me, I, I really enjoyed that experience. And that's kind of where I knew it's like, okay, I, I really like this college thing. Uh, from there, went and spent uh, the spring semester as a part-time assistant over at Central Connecticut State University. So got to work with Coach Erickson. Uh, that was another, you know, great experience. Never really saw, you know, the uh, the football aspect of collegiate strength and conditioning, you know, and I think regardless of FB, FBS, FCS, you know, football in itself is is just a different animal, you know, so I really got to have that experience working with them, uh, had my own team responsibilities. And, you know, from there, kind of went into the private sector for about two and a half years, worked at a private facility. Uh, went to more physical therapy and was there as their, uh, you know, head personal trainer at one of their facilities. And around that time, uh, you know, got the opportunity to go back 
to Quinnipiac University as a uh, part-time assistant strength conditioning coach. And while I was doing that, I was fortunate enough to also work at Ranfone Training Systems in Hamden with Mike Ranfone, uh, which again, as my AirBot falls out, <laughs> which was uh, another just awesome experience working with uh, Mike Tar Bumgardner, you know, Scott Tribby, uh, you know, it was a really great experience and I was appreciative of kind of like, so I feel like when I kind of went to being in the collegiate setting full-time, I had a lot of different experiences. You know, I worked with, you know, high school athletes at the private level. So I got to see, okay, what are high school, what are high school athletes showing up to, you know, what, what's the kind of training that they're going through? What's the high school season look like? Uh, had the physical therapy aspects, you know, so obviously a more adult population, but still occasionally had some athletes come in um, and got to see kind of like that private side. So I felt like once I went to Canisius College, I actually started there um, as an assistant, um, was hired by Keith Vinci, um, you know, who I'm not sure if you saw, but unfortunately passed away uh, recently due to a battle of cancer. Yeah. Um, but I was very fortunate. He actually hired me for the more physical therapy uh, position. Um, and then he also hired me at Canisius. Uh, when I got there, you know, the whole goal was to kind of be working with a revenue sport and I was going to be working with men's ice hockey. And I was really looking forward to that. Uh, when he hired me, he also told me he was in the process of interviewing at UMass Lowell, uh, and there was a chance that he was leaving. So I remember, you know, I packed up my car, drove up there, you know, was staying with him. I remember first day uh, in the office, he's like, so I'm leaving at the end of the week. And uh, I was like, oh, okay, you know, and he just kind of like really brought me up to speed. Um, and again, I like, I'm really grateful for the opportunity because I kind of knew that that was in the mix. Um, and I felt that if I just had the opportunity to show, you know, my level of organization, you know, my programming, uh, my commitment to the athletes, my ability to communicate with coaches, uh, that I had a good shot. So I pretty much kind of spent that whole um, August, you know, month of August, just kind of proving to them that I could do, you know, what was kind of expected from a head strength conditioning coach. So I got hired as assistant, uh, promoted to the head at the end of August, you know, brought in assistant, spent about two and a half years there. Uh, after that, went to RPI, uh, Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute in Troy, New York, which is a Division One, Division Three school. So was brought in as a head strength and conditioning coach there. And that was the first time, you know, that I kind of like inherited a staff. So I, you know, I had two assistants uh, that I worked with there. And I thought that was a really good experience for me because I think prior to that, I'd really just worked with um, a lot of people through connections, you know. So it's like, oh, we ha always have somebody in, you know, in common. So for that experience, I really liked it because it was just two coaches who, uh, you know, I, I had no idea who they were outside of reading their bios, uh, but really got to know them, got to have that experience. And I was really fortunate because I'd say, um, especially like my lead assistant there, Justin Markley, he really had like a profound influence on my programming um, and just my general like thought process. So it was really good because I don't think we ever really um, I think it can be natural when you get inherited some, some combativeness between two people, but you know, he always said it from day one, he's like, I'm here to make your job easier. Um, and I was really fortunate for him to, you know, kind of have that outlook. Um, but again, really great experience, spending three and a half years there. And then quickly made a quick stop at Sacred Heart University in fall of 2020. And then I've been at Quinnipiac University uh, since spring of 2021. 
Wow. That is a, that's a, that's a wild timeline right there. That's a lot of quick moves. A lot of things happen. I mean, it is, you said like over the course of, you know, 13 years you've been doing this, but uh, that's awesome, man. And a lot of good experiences too. Cause obviously there is, you got to experience what it was like, where I was like, okay, I'm going to now be a head guy. And then you got to experience what it was like where you're a head guy and now inheriting staff. And like you said, there could be some of that combativeness that takes place. Um, how did you, how did you go about handling that when it came to, you know, trying to create some synergy between yourself, not just your staff, right. But I'm assuming that, you know, you obviously had to start creating some of that synergy and aligning with some of the other departments that were working with strength and conditioning as well. Was that a major challenge or was it kind of like something that was like right for you at that particular point in time? Yeah, I don't know that I would call it um, a challenge. I think what I've been fortunate and, and what I think I do a really good job at is that whenever I've been able to move to a place, I've always kind of spent the time to reflect on where I had been and said, okay, if I was in this position now, with, you know, kind of like the experience uh, that I have, what would I do differently? You know, sure. so I think that from all the past experience, I was able to reflect and say, okay, what do I want to change about what I did here? You know, because oh, I'll 100% say that, you know, as a young strength coach, it's very common to kind of be like, I got a handle on this. Like, I know what I'm doing. Um, and I definitely did in certain aspects. And there were other aspects where I didn't. Um, you know, I mean, even the experience, I think, working at Quinnipiac, um, having two separate campuses, you know, I have a great relationship with Coach B and very strong relationship. Uh, but at the end of the day, like we work on separate campuses. So even going to Canisius and just kind of like always being with my assistant, um, you know, Coach B is very like, have trust in you, go do your thing. Uh, and then I think it just becomes a little bit different when you're at a place and then you're constantly working with somebody, you know, kind of like side by side. So I think there, you know, I kind of learned a lot about how to be a better mentor. Um, so I think I made a lot of mistakes early on in, in those first two and a half years. And I kind of rectified a lot of that when I went to RPI. Um, yeah. So when I got in there, it was a lot of, okay, let me ask you guys questions. You know, I want to hear from you. What's your experience been like? What are things that you've liked? What are things that you don't like? What are things that can be worked on and improved? How's the relationship with athletic training? How's the relationship with sport coaches? And I think division three is, is kind of unique because a lot of people don't ever get that experience, but it's unique in that when they're not in their traditional season. So for example, football in the spring, it's completely voluntary for them to show up to their training sessions, wow. you know? So outside of like spring ball, which there was about four weeks, I mean, basically when you come back for, uh, you know, the January semester, and up until spring break, I mean, technically, if a kid doesn't want to show up, they don't have to show up. Uh, and that was across the board for all sports outside of, you know, the Division One men's and uh, women's ice hockey program. So I think a lot of that, I, I kind of leaned into that experience at Rand Phones where, you know, you're on the private side and ultimately, like, you're selling people on the training that you're offering, right? So it was just a lot of, like, relationship building, you know, open conversations. Hey, ask me questions. You know, if you want to know why we're doing something in the program, like, let me know. Cause I can tell you. And if for whatever reason I say, I don't know, I'll, I'll find out a good answer for you. Uh, right. So I think like that is one thing that I really kind of like leaned into um, at RPI. And I'd honestly say, like, I feel like I've been my best self since that role. Um, yeah. And again, I think it just comes down to reflection saying, could I, I could have done a better job and then seeing, okay, what can I do to improve uh, and be a better, whether that's assistant, you know, uh, head guy, doesn't matter. 
Right. And what, so you mentioned the, the term reflection. I think it's really interesting because I think oftentimes, especially in the world of collegiate sports and not just collegiate athletics, like almost pretty much any athletic endeavor, there is no time to reflect, especially when you're switching jobs. Right. It's usually like, Hey, uh, you know, interview, right. You get the job. It's like, hey, how, how quick can we get out, get you out here? Where can we get you a house? And most yep. of the time you don't even have a spot, right. You just show up, you live with somebody or whatever until you find your own spot. Um, and you start the job, you know, that, you know, a couple of days after that. Um, but I recently found, you know, after leaving UConn, I was, I actually told myself that I was going to do that. I was like, you're going to spend the next X amount of days, um, you know, reflecting and not just like thinking about it, but like actually having a process to like how I was going to go about evaluating the last four years of my life so that I felt like I could actually take something from it. Right. Because it's, it's almost useless, not useless, but it's not as valuable if you don't really absorb, you know, and kind of let that sink in. Um, so that process for me kind of was like, I did some writing exercises, did some actual like self-authoring, did some, uh, you know, self-evaluation in, in some ways. Right. So um, I'm wondering what that process looks like, you, looks like for you for as far as reflecting goes. And then when that actually started for you. Right. Because I would assume that, you know, reflecting didn't start, you know, at a young age. Maybe it did for you. Right. But I think it's tough mm-hmm. at a young age to really think like, oh, I'm going to reflect. It's always go, go, go. Whereas I think as you get in your late 20s, mid 30s, right, you start to think about it a little more often. So, um, yeah, what did that process look like for you? And, and you know, has it changed? And, and when did that whole start, that whole thing start for you? Yeah, um, honestly, I think it really started at the as I was leaving uh, the Kanisha position, you know, and I remember um, I asked my assistant, Scott Godfrey, you know, hey, what could I have done better? Um, you know, I think that's a big, you know, I think spending time at Quinnipiac and with Coach B, you know, that whole mantra of get better is uh, very important. And so for me, you know, I wanted to make sure that I was moving in the right direction. So that was number one was just asking him, hey, what could I have done better? Uh, you know, and so obviously able to have that conversation and, and have that discussion and say, okay, looked at these different things. And then I, a lot of it, I think, came back to the mentoring aspect, you know, and I think it's, uh, when you take on a head position at 26, you know, I'd, I'd say that's like a fairly young age to take on, yeah. you know, a head position. And I think some people, you know, can kind of hit the ground running and go from there. But I think, you know, there's uh, that that wisdom, you know, kind of takes time to develop. And I think uh, that's kind of like been a big piece. So just getting that feedback from him. And then as soon as I realized that it was like mentoring, um, I just dove right into anything and everything that I could find. Cause I think leadership is one thing, but to mentor is another, I think it's, you know, like with leaders, I think people are born, uh, to be leaders. I think some people have, uh, the capacity to be grown into leaders, uh, you know, kind of like through mentorship. Uh, but I think when it comes to mentoring, I think, uh, a lot of people, you know, uh, to get a little nerdy on you, it's like Star Wars, you know, like uh, Master Yoda, Qui Gon Jinn, great mentors. Um, when Qui Gon gets struck down by Darth Maul and An- Obi Wan has to take on Anakin, uh, I don't think he was ready, you know, to be a mentor. And he later on realizes how he kind of failed Anakin and he kind of has that reflection um, and he kind of distances himself from it. So I think it, it was kind of like a very similar path where it's like, you know, like, you got those Jedi Knight skills and the, and the knowledge, but it's it's very different to impart that on somebody else and to help kind of grow somebody into that. So I really dove headfirst into a lot of that. Um, and again, I think a big piece is just always comes back to communication. I tell my athletes this uh, always on the first day where I meet, you know, new athletes. And then when I kind of like get everybody back um, and I always tell them that the two biggest things for me are, um, you know, respect and communication. 
so long as we build those things, we can eventually have trust. And I think that that's what coaches are really aspiring towards is having the trust in their athletes and, sure. and athletes knowing like, Hey, this person is here to guide me in the right direction. You know, like we're not doing five by one at 90% just cause I want to see, you know, struggle with heavy singles. Like there's a reason why we're doing things at certain times, why we do these exercises over the exercises that you, uh, that you may do back home with your coach. Um, and just kind of, again, I think that was like the biggest thing when it came to reflection. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I, I'm, I, I have to admit, I've never seen Star Wars in my life. So I will, I will definitely take you at your word that you seem like you know exactly what you're okay, talking yep, about. There you go. Yep. <laughs> I think about like, I, I don't know, I, something about like, I, I don't know. I've, I've heard nothing but like incredible things about him. And I have a lot of friends who are like diehard Star Wars fans or whatever. So yeah, I, I, I completely like respect like what like Star Wars for what it is. You know what I mean? I just, I literally watch like Italian mob movies. Like that's it. Like I don't yeah. like I'm not, I'm very like I wouldn't say like I'm like super one dimensional when it comes to like TV shows or movies, but like I literally mm -hmm. like I, like if, if if you had to slot me into like one category like drama movies that revolve around some sort of like crime, killer, mystery, some sort of like, you know, mafia related thing. I just I don't know. That's kind of like where I where but I'm branching out. Like my my buddy started to get me to watch some of the yeah. Marvel stuff, and, you know, some of the the DC stuff, you know, mainly mainly Marvel, but yeah, I think I think Star I think like Obi-Wan Kenobi is that is that Star Wars related? Yeah. Yep. I think you know, that's a TV show, right? Yeah, they just made it into a uh, series okay. on Disney Plus, yeah. Yeah, so I, I know a, a few of my friends and my cousin, they were like, you know, all about that or whatever. So I'm, I might have to check check out some of that stuff. But I, it's not, it sounds like your, you know, metaphors or symbolism of, of leadership versus mentorship was, was spot on, though. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm surprised you made it out of uh, your internship experience without being told to watch Star Wars by Coach B, because he's another big Star Wars guy. He's a big Star Wars guy, and and uh, the and the Game of Thrones Game of Thrones was like really hot yeah, at yeah. that time when I was, you know, it was like yep. 2017. Like I remember him and. Jamie were like like all about it. I believe it was yeah I think Jamie was into it too but I know like most of the players were like everyone was like all about Game of Thrones at the time and I mm -hmm. I really did try like it was you know like when you're in the internship you you're open to anything you know what I mean I, like whatever yep. B was into like I was gonna try to be a part of it um I've tried Game of Thrones like two or three times it's just something about like I can watch certain scenes because I do think it's like fantastic the, the obviously mm -hmm. the the scenery the fight scenes the actual acting itself and and obviously the um the soundtrack is unbelievable i listen to ramin jawadi all the time you know what i mean so it's, yeah, it's yeah. actually incredible stuff but i gotta i gotta kind of open the, the horizons a little bit there with uh with game of thrones i actually what's the new what's the like the, the build off for game of thrones there's a prequel like house of dragons yeah house of dragons yeah that I was watched, really good I, oh you've already seen the whole thing okay so you're oh, like yeah oh religiously every sunday night at nine Oh boy. So I watched, I watched the first episode up until like the birth scene and then mm -hmm. I had some trouble. So I think I, I'm going to, yeah. I'm, I'm going to try to run it back. I really, yeah, remember. it's, it's good. And I mean, I think, uh, you know, in college, I'm, one of my electives was, uh, movies, you know, mm -hmm. and I remember just like, Oh, I get to watch movies all day. Like, this is awesome college yeah. credit. Uh, but what I really liked about it is, you know, it was, um, we had like a specific list of movies that we were going to watch. We had to get a Netflix subscription. This is back when like Netflix, you had Netflix to get the DVDs. So we had to like <laughs> order DVDs sent to us, yeah. uh, you know, not even Blu-rays, DVDs. But what yeah. I really liked about it was, you know, kind of talking about the the deeper meaning uh, behind the films. Like what are the themes, you know, what is, what is the message that this, uh, you know, producer writer director is trying to get across to you and I think like I think that's probably what I like about it I mean I love 
everything like fantasy, sci-fi and whatnot. But I, again, I always kind of go back to what are the themes like a uh, big Kung Fu Panda fan uh, okay. and just constantly like pull lessons, you know, from that into, you know, specific uh, times of year or find myself in situations with teams and athletes and, and find a way to relate back to something that I learned from Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's uh, it's no different than like any type of story. And I think once you can, if you can get past like animated aspects, sci-fi aspects, uh, just really look at like, what is it trying to like teach you? I think there's a, there's a lot to be found from that media. Yeah, for sure. And, that, and that's what's surprising to me is because I'm usually so big on symbolism. Like I love mm-hmm. movies that have some sort of symbolic trait to it. Um, so you would think that I would like the idea of like, hey, this is what this is. Tra-. So like like Harry Potter, I watched Avatar. Like for reason, my brother got me into Avatar last okay. year. Bender. Yeah. So like, you know, obviously like the life lessons in that are, you know, all over the place. So yeah, I, I, there's definitely some things I'm like, I don't understand like why I wouldn't be it. But I think that that's the, I think I have trouble getting past some of the sci-fi. Like when I see like flying dragons and stuff, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Like it's just it's not for me like and it's so, right away and it's not fair because like people be like dude like that's that's your line in the sand here but it's like i don't it's, <laughs> yeah. it's not just that it's just there's some other things i i can i can do it though i can i can make it happen. i think i have to watch it with somebody that then it'll you know kind of click a little yeah. bit but um yeah no so anyway uh getting back on to uh reflection <laughs> um so obviously after like now going through that reflection process a few times and obviously being in a few different places. Um, well, I should ask before, how old are you now? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, turn 35 tomorrow. Oh, wow. For just before your birthday. Perfect. Yep. Uh, it's funny. Cause I was, I, I was, there was, <laughs> there was a second there where I woke up this morning. I was like, wow, this day could get crazy. I might have to push this podcast and see if we could do it tomorrow. I'm glad <laughs> I didn't though, because that's absolutely a no go, no podcast on birthdays, but uh, so yeah, happy, uh, happy early birthday. And um, thank you. So obviously turning 35 now, it's like, is the reflection process and the things that you're learning from the reflection process, I'm assuming, are a little bit different. And the information you're getting now versus what you got when you first started, this might be a little different. So um, maybe talk a little bit about, you know, Sergio at 23 versus Sergio at 35, right? And how things might have changed a little bit through that process. Yeah. Uh, wow. Let's see. Sergio at 23. Uh, well, <laughs> or just earlier, like, early 20s. It doesn't have to be 20, 20, 23 could have been. <laughs> yeah. Very specific age. I'm like trying to think back. Okay. Minus 12. What, what would that put me at? But no, um, I think, you know, it's, uh, I was very green when I got into it. Um, I remember my internship, you know, I interned with uh, Josh Heenan, who's, you know, very big in like the baseball population now and has a 90 mile power formula. Uh, but I remember kind of going there on my first day and meeting him and and kind of, you know, instantly did the like intern size up, like, okay, like, like, what's your deal? What do you know? Like, are, are you better? Are you stronger than me? Are you better than me? Um, well, we had a really great relationship. Um, I mean, we just constantly had, you know, talk shop when we were uh, on site together. We're constantly trying out new things. Uh, we have a really funny uh, overspeed training story. Um, but you got to be careful with bands. That's, uh, that's what we learned from that lesson. I was going to say fu- funny overspeed stories. That might be an oxymoron. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, but with that, um, I think at that point, you know, it was just realizing how much I had to learn, uh, up to that, my majority of training experience and training knowledge was like flex magazine. Um, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger's encyclopedia of bodybuilding. Uh, and then even during that time, you know, I, I had to do a site observation my junior year. So I did, uh, that's how I met my grand phone. So I remember observing him and, uh, you know, he was working with, uh, he was doing his private, um, stuff, but he was also working with the Southern Connecticut, um, volleyball and softball team. 
So I remember going, you know, waking up. This is how I learned about early mornings was like waking up at like 4.30 to meet him there for five o'clock. Um, but that was really kind of like my first exposure to kind of, um, you know, athletic training for lack of a better term um, and seeing that collegiate aspect of sports performance and just kind of seeing what he did. So really I had, okay, here's what Mike did with, you know, these teams, here's bodybuilding. This is what I know. And this is what I'm bringing. Uh, and then obviously working with coach B, uh, just seeing like the system that he had his exercise library, you know, anatomy, physiology, uh, conditioning, plyometrics, all that. I was like, wow, I have a lot to learn. So big one for me was, you know, just kind of like at that point was just like, okay, I'm going to learn as much as I can. I'm going to read books in my downtime. Uh, and that's really what I did. Anytime there weren't any teams around, it was pulling books off his bookshelf and just reading through them, asking him questions, uh, was doing his programs and just like treating myself like I was an athlete. And I think like that is probably the area that I learned a lot of. Um, I think during that time, you know, like I still enjoyed bodybuilding and wanted to do competitions, but ultimately like my biggest priority was just becoming a better strength conditioning coach. And I thought what better way than to try out all these different methods, like, you know, let me try West side, let me do five, three, one, uh, let me do EDT. Uh, and it's kind of funny because I feel like now, you know, I think back then it'd be like, oh, you can't do bodybuilding methods with athletes. Like that's not what they need. And a lot of times it's like, you know, like there's some really good bodybuilding methods. Like I feel like uh, EDT got very popularized. And I remember doing, you know, EDT in their early 2000s as a bodybuilding training program because um, it was originated by Charles Staley. Uh, you know, you look at something like peripheral heart action, which was, uh, you know, Bob, I always put his last name, Gaja. But uh, that was another one where it was just like kind of like total body, you know, like giant sets, you know, you do an upper, a lower, uh, an accessory, a core and a cardiovascular and you do those for, for rounds, you rest between them. Uh, you know, I did Poliquin programs, which at the time I was just like, wow, this guy knows what he's doing for bodybuilding. And then you realize like, you know, he's huge in sports performance. So I think the biggest thing now is it's kind of hard finding something new, you know? So I feel like uh, when it comes to like training programs and training methods, I've gone through a lot of that. And now it's just kind of like, okay. And I feel like I started to do this at RPI. It's like, I have all these training methods. Now, how do I clean this up to learn like, okay, when I get a, you know, freshman athlete or a first year athlete, if they present to me like this, how do I get them to this? So I kind of already know, like, in my mind, if I have the perfect athlete in front of me, like what style of training program am I going to do? And then basically I just kind of started to peel the layers back on that and say like, okay, um, if I think that, you know, the triphasic program with super maximal loading and power phase, peaking phase, oscillatory movements is, is top tier, like this is the best thing I can do. If I'm working with an athlete, how do I peel the layers back? to get somebody there. Uh, so I think the, um, you know, that was one thing that I really didn't do when I got to RPI was like a first year program. Uh, and when I got there, it was just, we, you know, they told me that they did uh, basically like a basic block zero type training program where it's day one, day two, day three, day four, hinge focus, press focus, squat focus. And then, you know, what we found was over time was teaching athletes these different movements every single day uh, they get exposed to it three to four times a week. And then next thing you know, it's like week four, oh, we're supposed to do a new program. Uh, and that was around the time I started looking into like the one by 20 from Dr. Yesis and was like, hey, 
what do you guys think about this for a, for a first year program? Like a, it's repeatable. It's the same workout, you know, three to four days a week, unless you do like an upper lower split. Uh, but it gives them a lot of repetition, uh, gives them a lot of practice at the movements. And then once we teach it to them on day one, it's kind of like a refresher day two by day three, they really should be good to go. And then that afforded us the ability to can it continue training the sophomores, the juniors and the seniors in their different programs. Uh, so again, I think a lot of that now is just kind of like taking all these pieces. Uh, I really like reaching out to other coaches and just saying like, Hey, can you train me? Um, you know, for like three months and just seeing like, how do they do things? I'm like, Hey, treat me, treat me like a soccer athlete. Um, you know, I worked with Daniel Guzman who, uh, was in the MLS, uh, working with LAFC and he transitioned out of there, but he had a lot of experience in uh, MLS, uh, worked with the U S men's national team. But I said, Hey, train me. Like I, I got three months to get ready, you know, to play, to play soccer. How would you train me? Um, so just getting that experience and just seeing like how coaches do things differently, how they pair exercises, their structure, you know, do they run a, you know, concurrent model? Do they run like block training? So I think that's really now kind of where I see a lot of figuring out things to piece better together. So you're telling me that you'll reach out to another coach who like in your current, like now, like, you know what I mean? You've mm -hmm. done this currently, right? Like you've done this recently. Yep. You reach out to another coach and you just ask them like, Hey, like, and, and someone you may not even know, you just be like, Hey, can you just coach me? Um, you know, write a program for me or whatever, some sort of like 12 week cycle or something like that. And, and, and you'll just run it yourself. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I feel like even not even from like an experience standpoint, but from a financial standpoint, I feel like that's a better investment of my money and time. You know, I think the, the national conferences are, are great for like networking and meeting people. And you get kind of like, I think they're good for stoking the fires a bit. You're like, Oh, I forgot about that thing. Or, Oh, I never thought of it this way. But I really feel like when it comes to being like exposed to like, am I, can I, is there a better way that I can do this? Um, I've just found a lot of value through, I mean, I used to, I've worked with a lot of different coaches through programming, um, you know, but I remember with Omega Wave, like getting with probably an HRV, I reached out to Mark McLaughlin and had him program for me for, for a while and did his programs. So I, I really think like for me, that's what I get the most out of um, is just working with other coaches and just seeing how they're doing things. And then can I use pieces of this or does this change what I think is best right now? Yeah, that's a pretty, that's, that's awesome. You know what I mean? That's a pretty unique way to go about your personal development, your professional development as well. Obviously it kind of hammers home everything there. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. I don't know if the people listening have, 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 you know, heard or done something like that. I've never done that before, you know, not necessarily like, um, you know, directly, right. Like reached out to somebody. And so what's, what's some of the feedback that you get are most, most of the time, you know, people are open to it and they're like, yeah, we'd love to do that. Yeah, usually. Uh, yeah, I've never had anybody been like, especially if they offer it, you know, I think uh, if they offer, you know, the private coaching, it's a no brainer. Um, I always get told they're like, I wish I had more clients like you. Because, <laughs> you know, like, or more athletes like you, because it's just like, hey, here's the plan, go do it. All right. Hey, I did day one questions on this, like, what am I doing tomorrow? Or hey, questions about this. So uh, they've already been really appreciative, because they're like, I can give you anything. And I know you're going to do it. Um, that was my, I remember Dan loved, uh, programming, um, rowing workouts and, uh, I've never grown to hate an ergometer any more so than my time with him. Uh, but you Pretty know, but again, like I, I would, yeah, sure. you know, like I was like, wow, like this is actually really good non-impact conditioning to do like early in the off season when it comes to like, you want to get some 
conditioning and training volume, but you don't want to have somebody up and running on their legs. You know, like we just finished up our season uh, this past weekend and it's a lot of like, let's let our legs kind of get back under us. We've accumulated God knows how many mileage. I don't even want to look at our player tech, um, but knowing what we accumulated just within a week, within a game, it's like, all right, you know, it's, it's a good time to utilize the bike, the rower, just to kind of like get conditioning, but not make you guys have to go out and run. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's fantastic. I think I might, I'm, oh, you know what? It's funny you mentioned that. Cause I'm actually, I'm like kind of doing that right now. I, I'm, I, uh, Jake Tura has those like hypertrophy cluster programs or whatever. And mm -hmm. I actually am yep. running one of those right now. I think I'm running like the set, like the 1.2 version of it or whatever. I didn't like reach yeah. out to Jake specifically, but now that I think about it, cause this was the first time in a long time where I've just was like, listen, me and my brother train, you know, together every morning. And I was like, Hey man, instead of me putting together like what we're doing for the next four to five weeks, like, why don't we just let somebody else do it? And I almost got to the point where I was mm -hmm. like, I might just let, like, let you, he's a 20 year old kid and he's been you know, training under me or with people who, you know, are, I'm kind of from the same tree or whatever. So very similar styles. And I was like, why don't you put something together or something like that? You know what I mean? And we were just kind of yeah. like, I came across that cause it was, you know, it was a good combination. And I thought, you know, I'm, and I'm absolutely loving it. And I'm absolutely thinking to myself, like, I should do this more often. Like you should just have the trust. And honestly, it becomes much easier. Like, I don't want to have to think, right. Like going into the, like, cause all we do is program for other people. You know what I mean? It's like, it's nice. Yeah. To have to kind of just like walk in a weight room, but that's right. Yeah. I hope, I hope everybody listening kind of thinks and considers that. And it's a, to be, you know, just off the cuff. And again, I apologize. This is something that everybody's been doing and I'm just new to the party, but it's like, <laughs> it is, as far yeah. as I'm concerned, it's like, Number one, I mean, you can reach out to almost anybody, especially if they're offering it, right? And you make a good connection there. So there's some networking involved. And obviously the, the learning aspect, like you said, as far as your, you know, professional development, right? You're checking off those boxes mm -hmm. of like, all right, I'm, I'm getting to see, you know, like that, the raw information that this person could provide. It's not like a seminar form or some sort of, you know, online, you know, uh, video or whatever the case may be. This is like, mm -hmm. you know, direct feedback that you're having with that particular person. And then obviously third is that, you know, the, the personal development. I mean, hey, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, like, you're getting some solid training sessions in, right? And you're continuing to push yep. forward. So uh, that's awesome. And, and there's been some some major takeaways from that. You feel pretty good. You'll probably continue to do that, that, that method. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think, uh, you know, most of the coaches are really good. And, you know, I've been through a lot of online coaching, just three, even when I was bodybuilding, I think I, I always uh, outsourced my training. You know, it's like, okay, let me, this person's doing it. They're doing it really well. They got good track record. So, you know, let me just have them do it. it just takes one thing off of my plate and something that I don't have to worry about. So I think that I'm just kind of like used to that, you know, ever since I started bodybuilding, uh, you know, I worked with four or five different bodybuilding coaches, um, probably over the course of like seven, seven to eight years, you know, pretty nice. much, I think I, you know, so I think that was just kind of like very common for me. Um, and then I think eventually after just kind of doing a program, it just kind of gives you a, a better way. And it was good because we did have the ability to have those conversations and just say like, okay, you know, Hey, like if you were working with an athlete, like, why would you implement this? Or, you know, it'd be able to talk shop really with, with somebody sure. who's working in, in a chosen sport. Uh, Cause for me, that was important. I think taking on uh, coming back to Quinnipiac and having men's soccer, you know, I'd work with football, I'd work with basketball, ice hockey, lacrosse. Um, but that was one sport that I really only worked with one. I was at Quinnipiac. Um, and I thought, you know what, like, let me work with somebody who's worked with people, you know, at, at a high level and see what they do and see what they see. And because I think like it's very common, you know, um, I was having this uh, conversation, you know, with our assistant coach on the men's soccer team. But he was saying, you know, in, in all other parts of the world, 
working, you know, in your country's kind of like top league, you know, if you're in the premier league, Bundesliga, that's like, that's your goal for strength and conditioning. Like in America, it's like working in the NFL, working in the NBA, college football, college basketball. Nobody really says like, I want to be like an MLS college soccer strength coach, you know, like it's, it's kind of sometimes falls by the wayside. So I think for me, it was important to say, okay, let me learn from somebody who works with these athletes for much longer than I have. Um, and I think it, it really does necessitate like a different approach. I mean, they come with uh, just internationals alone, very different training experience, very uh, different ideas on training. Uh, you know, like I'm from South America, like we, we don't do strength training for, for, for sports performance. Uh, it's very new and it's very novel. So, you know, when you have kids coming out from different places, it's like, okay, like, where do I, where do I get these kids to meet me besides the, I'm your strength coach and you have to do what I'm telling you to do. Uh, so I think for me, that was important. I mean, I even did, um, I hadn't played soccer since I was nine. I did one-on-one -on -one sessions with, uh, with one of our uh, assistant coaches just to kind of like, Hey, take me through a session, like what the athlete would go through. Um, and I'm like, wow, I didn't even know these muscles existed or that was, <laughs> you know, as much tougher than I, than I thought it would be. Uh, and again, I think it's just given me like a better appreciation uh, for the sport. And it just gives me a better understanding when it comes to like the programming uh, and the training aspect. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Even getting the one-on-one -on -one sessions, right. Cause it's like trying to like understand, you know, cause I think there's a lot of people in the field now and I was trying to do the same, like it's like trying to quantify um, on-field load. Right. So it's like, it's a really complicated thing to do. And so I think when it comes down to it, it's like, well, the one piece that I think a lot of people are missing is just that feeling of understanding what it actually feels like for you to go through that session yourself. Like, what is he actually, was the athlete actually feeling? So that must've been awesome. Obviously the, uh, was the, was the coach pretty into it too? He was like, yeah, I'm going to take you through like everything we got and you know, kind of how we Yeah. Well, it's, it's, out. it's funny because the coach, uh, was a former athlete of mine. So like I, I coached him uh, when I was at Quinnipiac from 2012 to 2014. Uh, and then he was on the staff, um, you know, as an assistant coach. So we kind of like already had that like relationship. And I just asked him to, you know, if he, I knew that he did one-on-ones on the side, you know, I'd brought my son to him uh, and I was just saying like, Hey, can you, you know, put me through a few sessions? Uh, and I really enjoyed it. Hey, you know, I coached my son's soccer team. So I was like, okay, I want to look like I, know what I'm doing. So let's work on these things. Uh, but I think, yeah. you know, also from that, uh, again, just that experience of like, okay, what, what do these players go through? Um, and I think like the team sessions are very different from the individuals, um, you know, but just like, you know, the dribbling, the touching, the passing, just getting a feel for, for what those movements are. And it's like, okay, if I got to prepare myself to do these things, how can I optimally do that? Um, yeah. you know, in season, off season, pre-practice, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. And that kind of leads me to my next question. It's really built around, I'm assuming that, you know, what you just described, your method of trying to reach out to coaches and obviously create connections there and take some learning abilities for yourself is something that you feel could really push the field forward. So on the flip side of that, what are some of the things that you think are holding us back right now as an industry in terms of strength and conditioning or fitness, whether it be collegiately, uh, you know, collegiate professional, whatever the case may be, obviously private sector, because you've had experience there as well. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, what are some of those limitations you feel that are kind of holding us back a little bit and, and some of the things you think we could do to continue to move forward and establish ourselves? Yeah, I think um, in regards to holding back, while it's done great things, I also think like social media has, uh, it's like a double-edged sword, you know, while you can kind of like see a lot of, uh, you know, great information out there, or you can see a great coach, you also kind of see that like hate of like, 
why are you doing this? Man, that's terrible. Like, what are you thinking of posting this? I don't agree with that. And I'm not going to tell you why. I just don't agree with it. Yeah. Uh, but I also think like from, a, you know, like I see a lot of the discussions about like the level of pay um, and not just for strength conditioning, you know, but for like athletic training. Uh, and I think, you know, at least my experience has just been like, it seems like the the pool of candidates of people who like want to get into the, uh, especially like the collegiate setting, I think it's kind of like shrinking. Um, I think because like they go on social media and they see these posts about like, oh, these long hours, this low pay. And, you know, like, yeah, that's true. I think that there's some, I think it is one of uh, the fields that is kind of like very um, underpaid, especially when it comes to the requirements, you know, like for an entry level position, like you got to have a, a bachelor's and a master's and you got to have a, in, you know, internship experience or some sort of experience working with coaches. And I think like there's programs that like Springfield College, you know, obviously does a great job of, of getting people to to that point before they even like, you know, start applying for jobs. Um, but I think like, you know, there's only so many people that are enrolling, you know, at schools like that. So I think the pool is just like getting very like lower. And I don't know if it's just kind of like this whole, well, if I just, you know, I can, you know, do online coaching and I have the ability to coach from wherever I want and, you know, I'm not on somebody else's schedule. So I think like things like that can have kind of like brought the pool down a bit. I think there's a lot more options than a lot more options to work with, with athletes. Cause I think a lot of people, I remember when I got into it is like, I want to personal train people. And then it was like, Oh, like strength initially, like that's athletes only. Like, let me do that where now you have sports performance facilities all over the place. I mean, like even where I'm at um, in 10 minutes, any direction, I'm at a sports performance place, you know? So I think, you know, with that, people realize like you don't have to just go to the collegiate setting to work with athletes. Like you can do it, you know, working at this private facility down the road, you know, you don't need a, you know, you don't, is a bachelor's preferred? Yeah. But is a lot of times like some sort of certification and, and some experience and an internship enough to get you there. I mean, like even Mike, uh, who, you know, I worked with that ran phones, like his bachelor's was in, uh, I think like sociology. Um, yeah. and then he was just like, he, he was played football there he went through the experience of training for it. And he was like, man, I love this training aspect and this is what I want to do. So, I mean, he started working with coaches, reading everything and everything he could. I think he tried reading super training three times, um, you know, but I mean, all those things, like, it's just, uh, there's a low barrier of entry when it comes to the field outside of the college setting. And I think for some people, it's like, why wouldn't you do that? It's like, you know, put 60, $70,000 a year into this job. That's going to maybe pay you, you know, 40 to 50, um, or, you know, kind of like read the books, do some courses, get a certification and just go do it on your own. Um, you know, I think like there's people who do really well doing that. There's people who not. Um, but I think like that social media aspect has kind of pushed people away. Um, you know, and I, I get it like everywhere is different, but I think ultimately it's just like, if you want to be in it, you're going to be in it. Um, you know, I don't know that it's good or bad, but I would say that it's made it difficult to find a, a good kind of like healthy candidate pool when you are searching to fill a position. Sure. Yeah. No, that's a great point. And I, I think the social media aspect too, like you said, double-edged sword. I think that technology in general, right? Like there's always, you know, it is, it is, you know, 
something that we could really benefit from. Um, but unfortunately, I think there's there's sort of like this negative stigma that goes around of like, hey, here's, you know, we're sort of like doing ourselves a disservice when it's like, hey, here's what needs to get done in order to get this athlete to here. And here's what needs to get done in order to get, you know, this particular client or this particular like person who works in general population with general population here, right? And it's like, it's oftentimes it's it's really not you know this this, this black and white area right it's just it, there's a lot of gray area and there's a lot of variables and i don't think that those things are always considered and it's tough when you get somebody who has almost no context as well um maybe even somebody who is involved in training and conditioning but they may be a you know an 18 year old kid 19 year old kid interning somewhere like the context is still very low the the filter mm -hmm. that they have to filter information through is very minimal and and so that's kind of like where i fell into place when like when I, I was an older intern and I still had no idea like I didn't understand the dynamics of the industry at all you know I was just like okay I'm gonna go do an internship that's what people are telling me and then you like kind of rolls from there but um yeah that's a it's a great point and I think you know the the battling back and forth on I, I don't have Twitter anymore or I, I might but I don't yeah. I don't use it you know what I mean and I um I'm more so just use Instagram for just whatever whatever's funny whatever will make me laugh you know what I mean but it's like you know I think uh there's there's definitely a little bit of, a little bit of pettiness that goes on it's gonna happen you know but but um, so, well, last question that I have really is uh, I want to highlight Quinnipiac, obviously, and the work that you've done there. So if you want to just talk about, you know, the one thing or, you know, maybe it's a, a few things that you're really happy about and proud that, uh, you know, you've been able to implement at Quinnipiac. Some of the things that you've been able to do at Quinnipiac, whether it just, you know, be you with specific athletes or maybe it's your entire staff, whatever. Uh, what are the things that you're most proud of that you guys are doing currently at Quinnipiac? Yeah, I think the major thing has definitely been, you know, kind of like the culture shift. So again, I think when I went in there, you know, the main campus athletes, you know, it's a different space. It's different from, from uh, you know, our other campus. Uh, but it's just, again, like kind of, I think like COVID was tough. I think it really kind of like reset a lot of athletes because I know that they had been in the, in the training atmosphere, that training environment, you know, for, for a while. And I think, you know, between COVID, you know, getting, uh, having to stop training, uh, having your season cut short, you know, you come back, every school did a little bit differently, uh, but especially in the Northeast, I think it was just like, we have some first years who just don't know what, they're just starting to see like what normal is, you know, and I think we have even like some juniors and seniors who forgot what it was like to be in there and have like fall ball right into your spring season, you know, to have strength conditioning with practices and all that. So I think it was a lot of just kind of getting athletes back into the routine of, of hey, this is how it is. Like, cause I think a lot of them in the conversation were like, I forgot what it was like to have, you know, yeah. practices and then have to go to class and then have to go to lift you know, all these different things, uh, let alone, you know, everybody had a spring season and then those fall sports went right into a fall season. Um, so it, it was just like a crazy time. So I think just kind of like getting everybody, I think everybody's finally kind of like getting back there. Um, you know, and, and I think there was definitely a bit of a struggle um, initially, but I think like collectively as a staff, we've done a really good job of just kind of like trying to keep athletes uh, focused and, and just kind of getting them brought back to the process. You know, I think uh, a lot of people can often get focused on like the end result and they start to forget like the process to get there. You know, it's like everybody's, you know, talking about like our goal is a championship. Our goal is, you know, go into this game. Uh, our goal is X amount wins and all these things, but it's like, what are the things that get you there? You know, it's not just going to be this one moment in time. It's, you know, going to practice, you know, having a, a professional business-like mindset 
realizing you're a 24 seven athlete, you know, what you do outside of here affects, you know, your performance on the field and the weight room. Uh, and it's just, it's a cumulative kind of like effect, you know, it's all these practices, all these lift, all these days that lead to this 60 minute, 90 minute, you know, whatever minutes game that decides like what you do. So I think it's, uh, we've done a really good job of kind of getting everybody refocused and, and back into the mindset of like this, our process. I think we're, we're really fortunate. We won four championships uh, this past fall, nice. um, which is always like great. You know, that's about more than half in our fall programs. And we're hoping to continue that into the uh, winter and spring semester. And I think that's just a lot of credit to, you know, the student athletes, the sport coaches, uh, you know, the administration and the medical staff, every, everybody's just like, you know, it, it takes a, it takes a village, you know, to yeah. accomplish things like that. Um, so I think that the, the more athletes see that and realize that, you know, I think the better results that we're going to continue to see. Yeah. Awesome. Sergio, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you hopping on. Congratulations on the, the championships as well and the successful fall semester. Uh, why don't you let everybody know where they could, they could find you on uh, social media or if, if you want, you know, anybody to get in contact with you or anything like that, you can drop that and plug that now as well. Uh, along with any other work that you've done or anything that you want people to be aware of. Uh, yeah. Now's your time. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, obviously, you know, Instagram SM strength coach, uh, Twitter handle is exactly the same SM strength coach. Um, you know, if you need my, my email or my phone number, those, you know, you can go to the Quinnipiac athletics website and staff directory and find me there. Uh, but definitely always, uh, open to anybody and everyone, uh, who wants to reach out. So again, I appreciate you, uh, you know, taking the time to interview me today. Oh, thank you for hopping on, man. This is awesome stuff. I mean, I, it, like this podcast, I learned something new every single time I interview someone. I definitely learned something new today. So I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, have a happy Thanksgiving. Have a happy birthday tomorrow. And uh, yeah, listeners, we'll catch you guys next time. Sergio, thanks again, man. Appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you.